0: Alright, this is gonna be my review of WWE Elimination Chamber 2024, or they're calling it Elimination Chamber Perth, because it took place in Perth, Australia, um, the show took place Saturday, um, February 24th, so what, yesterday? (laughs) Yeah, but it was early in the morning, so I didn't watch it live, I think it started at 2am on the West Coast, because of them being in Australia, so yeah, I wasn't gonna stay up to watch that, and I was doing some other shit at that point, but, um, uh this is my review. Uh this is the first I believe show that they've had in Australia in like six years. They had a I think Super Showdown was there in 2018. That show sucked, if I remember right. Um also this is the third consecutive elimination chamber to be held outside of the United States. And then the first to take place in an outdoor venue, because last year's was in what? It was in Montreal, right? Yeah, Montreal, where was 2022? I don't actually remember, oh, Saudi Arabia, oh yeah, okay, that was the one, I remember that chamber now, that show sucked, <laughs> um, but yeah, there was only four matches on this show, and then a promo segment that was like 20 minutes, um, I'll talk about kind of something that I saw people kind of complaining about before I get into the review about like how there was four matches on this show, it's really weird in the sense that people are bitching about, oh, there was only four matches and the show was like 300 or 300, over a little over three hours. Um, like, I understand, but like part of the reason, I don't know, it's like do you want a bunch of matches on a show? Like I think AEW pay-per-views are like f- almost five hours and you have, they have like 15 matches or some shit. Like do you really want to sit through that? I mean, I get it. I think if it was me, like, Just do like a three-hour pay-per-view and have like six matches. That would be ideal. But shows like this, you can get away with it because the Elimination Chamber takes up over 30. Both the Chamber matches went over 30 minutes, so that's an hour right there. Um, But, I mean, yeah, they had a talking segment. was like 20 minutes. You don't really need that on a pay-per-view. But um, I just think it's weird how fans will complain. They complained about WrestleMania being too long because, you know, yeah, WrestleMania was like five hours. Then they make it two days. And then fans complain that it's two days. So it's like obviously WWE did that for a multitude of reasons. One was because of I think that the fans complaining about WrestleMania being too long, but also the fact that they could sell out a you know sixty whatever odd thousand or more seed arena two nights in a row and get double the profit. So it makes sense also from a business standpoint. Um but yeah, like I just I just think it's funny that fans are complaining about before, they've complained about WWE having too long of shows, and then now they're complaining that there's not enough matches. It's like, I don't know. I get it. Like I like I said, I think ideally, like, the non-WrestleMania and, like, SummerSlam, those should be the only shows that have, like, you know, maybe, like... I mean, WrestleMania, you could probably put, like, seven or eight matches on each show since it's one or two nights. SummerSlam, maybe you do, like, 10 to 12 matches. Every other show, you try to keep three hours or so and just, you know... Anyway, that's that's just a little tangent. Um, so let's start with the review. Overall, uh, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a pretty good show. It was better than the Royal Rumble. The, both the Elimination Chamber, the men's and the women's, were pretty good matches. There was a good tag team championship match with the, the Judgment Day defending the tag titles against Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate. Their new tag team name is the New Catch Republic. I have no idea where that is. And then the main event was the women's championship match between Rhea Ripley and Nia Jax. Obviously, they put Rhea Ripley in the main event because australia was her hometown she was got a huge reaction from the crowd so obviously that was smart to put her in the main event Um, but like i said overall i thought it was a good show Uh, the attendance for the show was 52,590 people it took place at optus stadium in perth australia so uh, let's get started with the review there was a pre-show match between Uh, The Kabuki Warriors defending the Women's Tag Team Championship. So Asuka and Kairi Sane against Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell. I did not watch the match. I didn't realize there was a pre-show match on the show. And I just kind of woke up and then started the pay-per-view. I want to say one more thing about freaking Peacock. WWE plays their pay-per-views on Peacock. And for some stupid reason, if you start a show when it's not live, because I think I started to watch Elimination Chamber when they were showing a replay, I believe. Or maybe I just woke up and started it. I don't remember. But the point is, they were showing a replay and I couldn't rewind the show. Like, how do you in 2024 have streaming services that you can't rewind a show that's playing and start it from the beginning? Because, yeah, they were showing the replay on like the Peacock because they always play stuff. And otherwise, you can go on the archives. I didn't, I went to watch the replay and then I couldn't rewind it and start from the beginning. So I had to wait to watch it again. It was annoying. I hate, I think that's too. Peacock sucks. The only reason I literally have a Peacock subscription is to watch WWE pay-per-views. I don't watch anything else on it, but yeah, Peacock blows for that very reason. And it buffers all the time. But anyway, yeah, the Women's Tag Team Championship match I did not watch. It went like 8 minutes and 55 seconds. The Kabuki Warriors retained. Um, I'd assume they'll probably hold the titles into WrestleMania and maybe they just throw a bunch of Women's Tag Teams into a match. I don't know. Anyway, the the mat the show opened with Uh, The Women's Elimination Chamber match. So the winner would get a Women's World Championship match against Rhea Ripley or Nia Jax at WrestleMania. So the people in this match was Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair, Liv Morgan, Naomi, Raquel Rodriguez, and Tiffany Stratton. Um, I mean, this match was predictable. Really, most of the matches on the show were predictable. I think everyone thought Becky Lynch would win this. I mean, maybe Bianca Belair could have won. But... I think everyone figured Becky Lynch would win. She did go on to win. That doesn't mean, like predictable doesn't always mean bad. It's not always, you know, a bad match. But here, let me get my notes out. So the match starts with Becky Lynch and Naomi. Um, Naomi does a side headlock takeover, and then Becky does a shoulder tackle. Um, Becky, or excuse me, Naomi hits a leapfrog and then a running shoulder tackle. Then they exchange some roll-ups, and then they exchange some arm drags. Uh, Becky goes to do the disarmor. But Naomi reverses it into a pin, and then uh, Naomi goes for her finisher, the rear view, and then Becky rolls her up. Then Naomi hits an Enziguri. Uh, Naomi then does a running bulldog into the middle turnbuckle onto Becky, and then Becky hits a springboard kick, and then Naomi slams Becky's face into the steel of the you know the chamber pod uh naomi does a leg drop for a two count and then they do a double cross body and they're both down and then tiffany stratton comes in from the chamber pod so i guess i should explain for people that are listening that don't have or they've never seen an elimination chamber um basically two pe there's six people in the match it's an elimination two people start there's four people locked in, cha- in chamber pods and then at regularly scheduled timed intervals which I know in the past it used to be five minutes, but I don't think they're always accurately five minutes. But they're supposed to be. They let someone else out, and then you—the only way you're eliminated is by pinfall or submission. So, just for everyone that's never seen an elimination chamber, that's how it pretty much goes. Um, so then Tiffany Stratton comes in. This crowd fucking loved her, and she's actually great. I haven't watched a lot of her matches. I know she was great in NXT, but yeah, the crowd—she was a she's a heel. and This crowd like loved her. Um, so she comes in. She throws Naomi into the top turnbuckle, and then she does a cartwheel Alabama slam to Becky Lynch. That looked really good. Um, And then she does a double running foot stomp onto both of them. And then Becky um, does a jawbreaker on Stratton, and she goes for the manhandle slam. But Tiffany Stratton reverses it and does a spine buster. And then she goes for a pin and gets a two count. Um, Then they trade punches back and forth. And then Naomi comes in and hits a flying crossbody onto Becky Lynch. Uh, Naomi hits three forearm smashes on Becky, and then Becky hits a fallaway slam. Uh, Tiffany Stratton clotheslines Becky Lynch. Uh, what happened? I was lost track. Oh, here we go. Stratton, then Tiffany Stratton puts a, Becky and Naomi on her shoulder. and I, did, I believe Naomi fell off, and she, like, dropped her. And then she does a rolling senton to Becky, which looked cool. Um, Becky then did a middle rope side rush and leg sweep onto Tiffany Stratton. When Tiffany Stratton went to go do a moonsault and she ran, Becky Lynch ran up there and did a side Russian leg sweep off the middle rope. That looked really cool. Um, Naomi then does a split leg moonsault and then tries to pin both. They both kick out, obviously. Um, Naomi does a scoop slam and then a split leg moonsault onto Becky. And then while that's happening, Tiffany Stratton pins Becky Lynch, gets a two count. Um, and then next comes in is Liv Morgan. Uh, she takes down Tiffany Stratton. She throws her under the elimination chamber pods. And then she hits a backstabber onto Becky Lynch and then a codebreaker. I wrote COD for some reason, or maybe a spell check, but it's supposed to be codebreaker. Um, on Naomi. Um, and then she hits a running running hip attacks in the corner. Becky and Naomi were sitting on um, in the corner, you know, like against up against the ring posts or the turnbuckle pads, I should say. And she did um, run, running knees to them, or hip attacks, she has a running knee, then she does a top rope code red, or no, top rope code breaker to Becky Lynch, and pins her, and then Becky kicks out of two, so that was cool, there was, she did a lot of code breakers in this match, um, then Tiffany Stratton hits a running foot stomp to Liv Morgan, Naomi does a drop kick to Tiffany Stratton, and then Naomi climbs to the chamber, and Becky attacks, uh, Tiffany Stratton and does an exploder suplex into the chamber. And then she does a disarmor where Strat where her arm is like her so her arm's like through the chamber, and Becky does the arm bar and like lifts her arm up. It actually I mean you could tell she wasn't pulling that hard, but it still looked kind of the visual was cool, I guess you could say. Um and then Becky or Tiffany Stratton reverses it by slamming she uses her other arm to slam Becky's face into the chamber. Um then back in the ring, Liv Morgan grabs Stratton and drags her through the ropes, and then she does a drop toe hold, and then, uh, onto the middle rope onto Tiffany Stratton, and then, uh, Liv Morgan does a double foot stomp, and then Naomi, what did I write, Naomi is, oh, she does a double foot stomp, Naomi's on the top of the chamber pod, and then she hits a sunset foot powerbomb, that was actually kind of cool looking, uh, well, the announcer called it a reverse Sunset Flip powerbomb. It looked like a neckbreaker, though, because she grabbed her head, like, and pulled her down. A powerbomb's where you have them, their legs are on your shoulders, and then you slam them on their back. But she grabbed her neck. It looked like a neckbreaker to me, but the announcer said it was a Sunset Flip powerbomb, so that's what I wrote down. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I know a name of a lot of the moves, but that one just confused me. Anyway, uh, Tiffany Stratton tries to pin Naomi to eliminator, and then, uh, by that time, Raquel Rodriguez comes into the match and she hits two clotheslines onto Tiffany Stratton and then a side slam. She goes for a pin and Stratton kicks out. Uh, Raquel Rodriguez grabs Becky Lynch and rams her into the steel chamber and does a followaway slam to Becky Lynch in the ring. She t- she slams Tiffany Stratton by the head into the chamber pod. Uh, Rodriguez grabs Liv Morgan and throws her into the turnbuckle and hits a running splash. And then... Uh, Raquel Rodriguez does a vertical suplex into the chamber to Liv Morgan and throws her into the ring. Becky Lynch takes out uh, Raquel Rodriguez with a chop block from behind, like a heel. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Then Morgan hits a code breaker. Becky punches her, and then Stratton hits a drop kick. And then Becky and Liv Morgan hit a double DDT under Raquel Rodriguez to get her out of the match. They all try to pin her, so they all climb on top of her, and then she kicks out at two And then they're all down. Bianca Belair comes in next. She comes out and goes after Tiffany Stratton. Um, She locks Tiffany Stratton into a chamber pod. And I remember thinking to myself, I did write this in my notes. I was like, I would have just stayed in there for the rest of the match. Let them all beat the shit out of each other and then climb out, get out of the chamber pod and win. I wouldn't have even gotten out. Like logically think about that. If this obviously you're supposed to suspend your disbelief with wrestling and think that this could logically happen, and there's supposed to be logic to it, right? Even though it's not it's scripted, whatever. But if I was in this chamber and someone locked me in there, I would just stay in there till the end of the match, let everyone else beat the shit out of each other. Like that makes sense to me, right? Um anyway, then Becky Bianca Beller, after she locks her in the chamber, she hits some shoulder tackles onto Becky Lynch. And then a dropkick to Becky. She hits a gut buster on Liv Morgan. And then she does this vertical suplex to Becky Lynch. Tiffany Stratton comes back in from the chamber like an idiot after she locked in the chamber pod. No, I'm just kidding. But she does come back in. She grabs Bianca Belair's ponytail, and then uh, Bianca eventually gets a hold of her and hits a spine buster. And then they do a Ra- Raquel Rodriguez and Bianca Belair face-off. And then B- Bianca Belair goes for the KOD, which is the kiss of death. That's just her fin- what she calls her finishing move. Rodriguez reverses it and then boots her in the face. Bianca Belair then hits a DDT on the floor and then drags her in the ring. and Goes for a pin and then gets a two count and a kick and a, you know a near fall. That's weird. Like they kept talking about how you have to eliminate people inside the ring. I could have sworn I've seen elimination chambers in the past where people have gotten pinned like outside the ring because like you know you're in the ring but there's like like steel chain. There's like steel floor and then they now they put mats on there they never used to but i swear i've seen people get pinned on like outside the ring before anyway maybe they changed it and just tried to like be subtle with it i don't know but i could have sworn i've seen elimination chambers where people haven't been pinned in the ring and they were just making a big emphasis on commentary about oh you have to get them in the ring to pin them you know um so next tiffany stratton attacks raquel rodriguez with punches on the top turnbuckle and then now Liv morgan's on the top of the chamber pod and then becky and Tiffany Stratton climb onto the pod, and then Morgan jumps before they climb up there and hits a diving senton onto Raquel Rodriguez. And then uh, Tiffany Stratton and Becky Lynch fight on top of the chamber pod, but then Becky slams Tiffany Stratton's face into the pod. She goes for a manhandle slam off the top of the pod, and then uh, Stratton elbows Becky and pushes her off the chamber pod, and then she lands onto uh, Rodriguez. Tiffany Stratton then hits a Swanton bomb off the top of the chamber onto Becky Lynch, Raquel Rodriguez, and Bianca Belair. That looked awesome. The crowd chanted "Holy shit!" and then "This is awesome," which is funny. But yeah, Tiffany Stratton's fucking great. I haven't seen a lot of her because I don't. I try. I like. I know it's. I'm aware of what's going on in NXT, but I don't have time to watch it. With you know, Raw's three hours, SmackDown's two hours, and then I try to watch AEW a little bit. They have three shows, like. It's a lot to watch. I don't watch NXT. I'm aware of what's going on. And I know of people. And I've heard tiff- stuff about Tiffany Stratton, how great she is. But yeah, she's she's awesome. Um, and she was really over in this match, even though she's a heel. So back in the ring, uh, Liv Morgan and Tiffany Stratton trade punches. They do the yay-boo spots. Only be- Liv Morgan's supposed to be the baby face, the good guy, whatever. And they were doing the boos for her and yay for Tiffany Stratton, who's the villain or the heel. I'm just going to say heel. Hopefully everyone understands what a face and a heel is when I say that. A a face is a good guy and a heel is a a bad guy. Um, Except, so they, yeah, I just thought it was weird they booed Liv Morgan. Um, So Tiffany Stratton then does a rolling senton and goes for a moonsault. And uh, Liv Morgan grabs her and then hits an avalanche flatliner, which was awesome looking. And then she pins Tiffany Stratton and then the crowd boos, which I was like, that's funny. Um, and then she like did like mock the crowd doing like a crying, like they were crying, which I thought was funny. The crowd chanted bullshit, which is rare in a WWE show to hear, hear something like that. So yeah, Tiffany Stratton, the first one. I know Naomi was eliminated already. Did I write where Naomi got eliminated at? Did I even mention that Naomi was eliminated in my notes? Oh yeah, Tiffany Stratton Pender. That's right. I think I read that part. Now I gotta find where I was. Oh, sorry. I just lost track. If I mentioned that uh, she had been eliminated yet. Yeah. Um. Okay. Here we go. Uh, so then, Regus hits a big boot to Liv Morgan and Becky Lynch. She hits a power bomb on Bianca Belair, and then a choke slam onto Liv Morgan, and then hits a corkscrew elbow. Um, but then Becky gets Raquel Rodriguez in the disarmor and then does a cross-arm bar after she get, like transitions into one. Uh, Raquel Rodriguez deadlifts Be- Becky Lynch to get out of it and then slams Becky and Liv Morgan to the mat with the Tejana bomb. And then Bianca Belair comes from behind and hits the KD, uh, or KOD and pins Raquel Rodriguez to a and So now we're down to Bianca Belair, uh, Becky Lynch, and Liv Morgan. Uh, Becky or Belair hits a gorilla press slam or gorilla press slams Becky Lynch onto Liv Morgan and then hits a double moonsault onto both. She goes for a pin on both of them and they both kick out. Um, but then Bianca Belair goes for a KOD on Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch grabs the ropes to get to break it. And then, um, Bianca Belair runs her into the chamber and then Liv Morgan hit a backstabber on Bianca Belair. Uh, Bianca Belair slams her head first in the chamber um, she slams Becky into the into the chamber, and then Liv Morgan hit an on Bianca Belair, and then Liv Morgan uh, launched Bianca Belair face-first into the chamber pod. Becky Lynch then slammed Liv Morgan's face into the chamber, and then she, Becky hits a double DDT onto both of them, and then she climbs to the top rope, um, and Bianca Belair elbows her and throws her off the top turnbuckle, and then she hits punches on Becky Lynch against the turnbuckle, um, Liv Morgan then grabs Bianca Belair and hits a sunset flip power bomb, and then pins Bianca Belair, and she kicks out at two. Becky then jumps off the top rope and hits a drop kick onto Liv Morgan, I believe, and then yeah, she does, and then Liv Morgan kicks out. Uh, more then Liv Morgan hit Becky Lynch with a super or the superplex off the top rope, and then Bianca Belair goes to the top rope to do a four fifty onto Becky Lynch after the superplex, but Becky puts her knees up and blocks it. Um, Liv Morgan goes for an enziguri, and then Bianca Belair ducks it and goes for the KOD, and then Liv Morgan counters it with, into a code breaker. Becky Lynch goes for the manhandle slam, and Liv Morgan reverses it into a code breaker. And then Bianca Belair goes for a KDO on Becky, but Becky gets out of it, and then Morgan does a roll-up from behind to Bianca Belair and eliminates her, and then Becky immediately um, hits the manhandle slam on Liv Morgan to win Elimination chamber, so they basically did the last two eliminations pretty quick. The match went 32 minutes and 15 seconds. It was a pretty good match though to open the show. Of the two chambers, I would say this is better in terms of like the actual like if you're a big fan of like moves and all the crazy you know high spots. But I think the men's chamber was better in terms of storytelling. That's just my opinion. But if like you were telling me like which match, I think the men's I like the men's chamber better. Not that this was a bad match, but. There's a good way to start the show off with that match. Um, Becky, I think Becky Lynch winning was obviously probably the right decision. Um, I think most people expected that. So Becky and you know she was going to face either the winner of the main event between Bianca or Rhea Ripley and Nia Jax. So, but obviously Liv Morgan has a story with. Rhea Ripley too where she was the last person to actually pin Rhea Ripley um, like two years ago so um, I don't know they could probably go with there but yeah I think Becky this was a predictable show as I mentioned at the start but predictable doesn't always make get bad but I thought this was a good match a good way to start the show the next match was for the uh, undisputed tag team titles let me go down every time I roll out of this it rolls me back to the top so yeah, it was the Judgment Day. So Finn Balor and Damian Priest with Dominic Mysterio versus... Their name is the New Catch Republic. So Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate. But when the match starts, they attacked Ray Mysterio, Mysterio, Dominic Mysterio, and knocked him off the, you know, knocked him off the apron before the bell rang like a bunch of heels. I'm just kidding. Uh, Pete Dunne then did a moonsault off the ring apron, and then uh, Tyler Bate did a diving uppercut to Finn Balor. And then I believe Tyler Bate did an exploder suplex onto Bowler and then a running shooting star press and got a two count. Um, Fendon did kicked him in the gut, and then he slams Bate's head on the to the top turnbuckle pad. And then uh, Tyler Bate wraps his legs around Bowler's neck, and then uh, Tyler Bate eventually tags in Pete Dunn and then Dunn hits a clothesline. And then a noble, a noble, double knee drop onto the Finn Balor's shoulder. Um. Pete Dunne does the like the finger bending thing that he always does to Balor, and then he stomps on Balor's ribs, and then he works uh, on the joints. I think he has a move called like joint manipulation, I believe it's called. Um, and then Dunne stomps on the right elbow of Finn Balor, and then he. Done tags in Tyler Bate. And then he did an, an assisted corkscrew senton, which looked pretty cool for a two-count. Um, Tyler Bate then did a side headlock. And then Balor ended up Irish whipping Bate across the ring. And then Priest tags in. Bow, or tags in. He hits a big right hand. And then uh, he does some combo kicks. And then he does a forearm smash to Priest... Or to Bate. And then he does the broken arrow and gets a two count and then priest applies a face lock balor tags back in um he does some um elbow strikes and then he does a chin lock so for those of you that don't like chin locks you'll there hate chin locks <laughs> and then uh tyler Bate ends up getting out of it by backing finn balor into the turnbuckle um priest tags himself back in uh damian priest pulls tyler Bate down to the mat and then he uh Hits a couple forearm smashes, and then he stomps on Tyler Bates' chest. Priest puts uh, his legs on the back of Bates' neck. Dominic Mysterio then delivers a cheap shot behind the ref's back. And then uh, Damian Priest knocks Pete Dunne off the apron. Uh, Priest then hit a leaping elbow, or back elbow smash. And then he, Balor tags in and Balor does the slingshot, the foot stomp, and then the backbreaker, and then a running leg drop, and then gets a two count. <clears throat> so he did all that one time. Um, and then Priest launches Pete Dunn over the top rope. And then uh, Balor, I believe, hit a running chop. And then Tyler Bate punched Damian Priest. Uh, Bate then hit a diving European uppercut, and then Pete Dunn tags back in. He does a series of on onto Finn Balor. Uh, he hits a running knee strike, and then he does the I can't even pronounce it. It's, they, I think they called it the Moon Moonsault. I might be mispronouncing that. That's what they said on commentary. I didn't know what the name of the moonsault was. That's what they said. So I think I'm pronouncing it right, Orihara. Um, and then Finn Balor avoids a roundhouse kick, and then Pete Dunne slaps Finn Balor in the chest or chops him. Um, Tyler Bate tags back in. They do a handspring lariat, German, German suplex combo for a two count, but Finn kicks out. Um, they do Tyler Bate then does three uppercuts. And then uh, Finn Balor does a double foot stomp. And then Priest comes in. Um, Priest then blocks the airplane spin. And then does the bell clap. And then uh, Priest has a hammerlock lariat, pins him for a two count. And then... Tyler Bate did a running or no a spinning back fist and then Finn Balor tags back in. He does an elbow drop and then a sidewalk slam and then goes for a pin but gets a two count. Uh, Finn Balor goes for the Sling Blade and then Tyler Bate delivers a deep six which is Finn which is what Baron Corbin does um, and then he does an airplane spin to Ty- to Damian Priest and then he tags Gun or Gun. Pete Dunn, Jesus, Pete Dunn, in and does a double into Geary to Finn Balor. Uh, Tyler Bate then does a cannonball through the ropes, and then Pete Dunn hits the bitter end for a two count. But the ref or Tyler Bate caught the ref Dominic Machida cheating. I believe he put Finn's foot on the rope, and then they ejected Finn Balor or Dominic from ringside. The, fin- they, the screen went dark for a minute. They were chanting, fuck you, Dom, and flipping him off, which is awesome. <laughs> so, like, the screen goes black for, like, 30 seconds, and I guess that's what was happening. Was the crowd was flipping off Dominic Mysterio and saying, fuck you, Dom. Um, then Finn Balor <coughs> hits a sling blade, and then a shotgun drop kick, and then Pete Dunne avoids the coup de gras, And then uh, Pete Dunne hits a... Does the, about, snaps Finn's fingers again uh Tyler Bate I believe tags and he hits the tiger or I think he calls it the Tyler driver for a two count and then Pete Dunn stomps on Priest's right hand as Priest had tagged in at some point then Priest hits a lifting flat liner onto the apron and then Tyler Bate hit a rebound lariat Finn Balor hits the 1916 for a two count then Balor tags in Priest uh, Priest goes for the razor's edge, and then, but instead of before he can hit it, Tyler Bate counters into a hurricane rana that looked pretty cool. Um, let's see, Pete Dunn then tags back in. They try to double team Priest, um, and then they hit a burning hammer and get a two count, and then they start um, doing. Pete Dunn tags himself in. They hit an Ensegu- a bunch of insiguries onto Priest. And then they put Priest on the top turnbuckle, and then Finn Balor stops him, and then uh, Balor tags himself in, <clears throat> and then Priest hits the double south of heaven choke slam, and then Balor plants Dunn with the coup de grace to pick up the win. So they win the match. It was pretty good. The match went 17 minutes and 25 seconds. Um, yeah, this was a really good tag team match. I don't know. I've never seen a lot of Pete Dunn and Tyler Bate. Like I know that, like I said, they came from NXT. I've seen a decent amount of their stuff in NXT, but I think they. Used to be a team at some point. I know Tyler Bate was in 205 Live for a long time, but uh yeah. Good match though. Um I'm assuming at this point the Judgment Day is just gonna hold the tag team titles probably until WrestleMania, so um yeah, we're almost well, we're not almost and we got like two matches left. But next was actually a segment, which um was the Grayson Waller effect and my notes fucked up again. Hang on. Oh yeah. So the next so next was a was a promo segment. It was the Grayson Waller effect, with his special guest being Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins. So they flew Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins all that way just to do a segment. Um, so it starts with Austin Theory introduces Grayson Waller, who gets a huge pop, even though he's a heel because he's from Australia. He comes down and he does a shoey with a UFC fighter. I believe his name is Ty Tuavasa, Tuavasa who was at ringside? So a shoey. I had to look this up. A shoey is like, they were drinking, you drink alcohol out of a shoe. It's like an Australia thing. Um, so it's basically like, it's a celebratory drink out of a shoe. Um, and it says, usually the beverage is alcoholic and the celebration follows a sweaty quest to victory. The shoey has become a popular part of some sports and music festival cultures in Australia. So there you go. That's a shoey. I just thought it was funny. He comes out and he starts drinking out of a shoe. Which seems kind of gross, but... I don't know. Who am I to judge? <laughs> anyway, that's how the segment... That's how the segment started. So, yeah, it was cool to see um, him get a huge reaction like that. Where, uh, you know, him being a heel and all that. Um, so then he introduces Seth Rollins. The Seth Rollins comes out and gets a good reaction. The crowd does his uh oh, you know, his theme song... And he introduces Cody Rhodes. Um, the crowd sings Cody Rhodes' theme song. He gets a huge pop. They sing all the lyrics. You know they they blow the pyro budget on Cody's entrance. I did laugh at this. So when Austin Theory, when Seth Rollins was getting in the ring, and the crowd was like singing the O on his music, you could see Austin Theory leaned against the ropes and he's like looks all bored. He's counting his abs. Like, he's just, like, going back and forth, counting his abs. And I just thought it was funny. Um, Just a side note. Um, So, yeah, then the segment starts. Cody Rhodes asks us Perth what they want to talk about his normal thing. Uh, Grayson Waller tells the crowd to acknowledge the tribal chief. Seth Rollins kind of mockingly does it, kind of funny. Seth Rollins then says he is days away from being medically cleared to compete because he hasn't been able to wrestle for a while because he has a legit knee injury. Um, Grayson Waller then says there was going to be the biggest WrestleMania main event of all time with Roman Reigns and The Rock. The crowd booze. Uh, Grayson Waller asked Cody if he was selfish by taking that away from the fans. The crowd then chants Rocky sucks. Cody says he is a fan of Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Cody says if The Rock were here, he would call him a Rudy some, or a candy something and ramble on about Rudy Poo Poo. Kind of lame. And then so they say something about pie. Um, Cody Rhodes asks Grayson Waller what Rock calls Cody Rhodes' fans and then Grayson Waller says Cody crybabies, which it's kind of funny. Um, and then uh, Cody Rhodes asks the crowd if there are any Cody crybabies in the crowd. They cheer. Um, Cody Rhodes says one thing The Rock wouldn't want to talk about is the conversation they had to this that had got to this point and why he stepped out of the match. And before he could elaborate, he got cut off. So they've tried to do this a couple times where he tries to explain why he didn't originally take the match with Roman Reigns and then he gets cut off. That happened again. Obviously, I think, I don't know, I think the original plan obviously was them to do Roman and The Rock and then the backlash by the fans was why they changed it. But Um, but yeah, he's tried to do that a couple times. He got cut off because, you know, and even when Cody got in the ring, when that segment where Rock came out to confront Roman Reigns, he whispered something in Cody Rhodes' ears. So there's also people that think they're in cahoots and this is all a ruse. But like I said, I don't know. Um, anyway, before you can elaborate, Grayson Waller cuts him off. I didn't write down what he said, but Cody Rhodes then says the Rock slapped him in the face. He ends up challenging the rock to a one-on-one match anytime anyplace anywhere which is interesting because i don't think that's what they're gonna do maybe but um and then seth rollins says it's time to cut the head off the snake once and for all seth says there is or when it comes to the bloodline there is no one-on-one seth tells cody he won't be fighting that fight alone and then austin's theory snatches the mic from Grayson waller He says some of the Rock's catchphrases, like, if you smell, you know, it doesn't matter what you say or think, whatever. You know, mock some of the Rock's catchphrases. Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins beat him up. Seth hit a curb stomp, and then Cody did the Cody cutter. And then Grayson Waller just, like, watched it happen. He didn't try to save him. So that was interesting. Maybe they're teasing a Grayson Waller uh, Austin Theory feud. Um, Just a couple points. Like, I don't think they're going to do a Rock Cody Rhodes one on one match. At WrestleMania, maybe like night one, they do that. I don't know. Um, I just think it, I mean, they've been kind of leaning into this whole Seth Rollins helping Cody thing that I think they're gonna do on night one Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins versus The Rock and Roman Reigns in a tag team match. But then that also means that Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, and Cody Rhodes would have to wrestle twice, they'd have to wrestle on you know the tag match, then. Seth faces the winner of the elimination chamber and then Cody and Roman wrestle. So I mean, I think there's going to do they could do it though. Maybe they do Rock and Cody where there's a stipulation if Cody loses the rockets his spot in the match or something. I don't know. It just, I don't know. Like, it's, I don't, but I also don't see The Rock losing his first match back. Like, if they did do a one on one match, but you also don't want Cody to lose and then he wins with the... I don't know. There's also people that think Seth could turn on Cody Rhodes. I think that's stupid. Like, I think that would just be backwards booking because they've already had a feud. I mean, obviously, Seth doesn't, in storyline, doesn't like Roman. He doesn't really like Cody either, but they're helping, you know, a common enemy, basically. Um, I don't know. It was an interesting segment because Rock cha- Rock's going to be on SmackDown this coming Friday so I'm sure he'll respond to the challenge. They didn't say if Roman Reigns would be there, but anyway, yeah. so I'm looking like we're going to get some form or fashion of a Cody Rhodes and uh, you know, feud with The Rock or a match perhaps. Um, Yeah, so now the third match. So yeah, it was a fine. It was like a 20 minute segment. It was kind of like I said, putting a segment on pay-per-views is kind of, but I don't know. It got it didn't. It made those two not have to wrestle, so that's good. Well, You know, because they're so. Then we get to the third match, which was the men's elimination chamber. So this match was Drew McIntyre, Kevin Owens, L.A. Knight, Bobby Lashley, Logan Paul, and Randy Orton. Like I mentioned at the top of the show, I mean Drew McIntyre did win this. I'll go through the match, but uh. Um, the, like I said, this whole show was kind of predictable with the winners, doesn't always make it bad. I thought, you know, obviously, I think the only two people, and if you ask me, that had a chance to win this was Logan Paul and Randy Orton. But, um, yeah, so the before the match started, I thought this was kind of funny when they were doing the entrances. Kevin Owens was already in his elimination chamber pod, Kevin O or Logan Paul did his entrance, he's walking by. And Kevin Owens starts headbutting the chamber pod. I thought it was pretty funny. Then Randy Orton came out and got a huge pop. He was in his ninth elimination chamber, which is the most ever. He poses on top of Bobby Lashley's pod. He does his, you know, his pose. I thought that was kind of funny. And then when L.A. Knight does his pose, he climbed onto Orton's chamber pod. And then Randy Orton grabbed, like, from underneath, he's in the chamber. He's, like, grabbing his boot. Pretty funny. Um, so Drew McIntyre and LA Knight start the match. Um, Drew McIntyre hits some chops in the corner and then LA Knight hits a neck breaker and then a suplex and then he hits a second rope elbow and then he goes for a pin and gets a two count. Drew McIntyre then hit a belly to belly suplex and then another chop. He goes for a GTS to mock CM Punk because he injured him in the Royal Rumble. So now he's playing into the whole, like he saved WrestleMania by taking out CM Punk thing. Um... L.A. Knight counters, and then he throws Drew McIntyre throw first into the top rope, kind of like a stun gun. Um, and then L.A. Knight does a sunset flip, but Drew McIntyre lands and he lands on L.A. Knight's knees, which looked like kind of like a backstabber. Um, and then L.A. Knight hits a running drop kick, and then L.A. Knight drive dives over the top rope and hits a shoulder tackle, and then Drew hits the elimination like the steel in the chamber. Um. L.A. Knight throws Drew McIntyre into the chamber and rams his head into Logan Paul's chamber pod. And then he goes over and does the same thing to Kevin Owens' chamber pod. And then as he's ramming his head, each time Kevin Owens is punching the chamber pod. It was funny. At the same time L.A. Knight's throwing his head into it, Kevin Owens is punching it. I just thought that was hilarious. Uh, Kevin Owens comes in next. He starts punching Knight and McIntyre. He hits a choke slam on LA Knight, which I don't believe Kevin Owens has ever made or done a choke slam. But they mentioned on commentary, I thought this was pretty cool. He did a make a wish with a kid the night before the pay per view, and I guess the kid asked him to do a choke slam, so then Kevin Owens did one for him. That's that's pretty cool. Um, and then he does, and then uh, Kevin Owens did a running on and he goes for a pin on Knight, and he kicks out. And then he Irish whips um, LA Knight into the turnbuckle. Drew McIntyre comes in and attacks Kevin Owens. And then uh, Drew goes for a superplex, but Kevin Owens fights him off. Kevin Owens headbutts him, then jumps off the rope with a frog splash. Um, And then he goes for a pin, and Drew kicks out at two. L.A. Knight Irish whips um, Kevin Owens and Drew McIntyre. And then McIntyre hits a big boot. Drew McIntyre hits a scoop slam on L.A. Knight. Then uh, Kevin Owens hits a code breaker on Drew. And then Owens, but as he's doing it, Kevin Owens lands on LA Knight. So he goes for a pin on LA Knight and he kicks out. Uh, Then he tries to pin Drew McIntyre. Drew kicks out. Kevin Owens climbs on the second rope and mocks Randy Orton by doing his pose. Kind of funny. And then Kevin Owens chops Drew McIntyre. Drew jumps off the top rope and hits a diving cross body. Bobby Lashley comes in next. He attacks Drew McIntyre and hits some shots to the ribs. And then Drew hits a belly-to-belly suplex on Lashley. Drew goes for the Future Shock DDT, and then Lashley reverses it into a clothesline. Lashley throws Drew out of the ring and throws him into the chamber. Um, And then Lashley hits a suplex to Drew McIntyre on the floor. And Then he goes for the Hurt Lock, but McIntyre is able to get out of it. Um, Drew then does a headbutt to Lashley, and then he climbs to the top rope and misses a dive. And then Bobby Lashley hits a spine buster and goes for a pin and McIntyre kicks out. McIntyre's taking a lot of abuse in this match. I just realized. Um uh, so then Lashley goes for a flatliner on LA Knight, but he gets out of it. Kevin Owens does a super kick on LA Knight. And then Lashley goes for a roll up, but LA Knight kicks out. Uh, Kevin Owens then does a super kick on Bobby Lashley. And then Owens goes for a pin but kicks out at two. Randy Orton comes in next. Um He takes out LA Knight and Kevin Owens. He hits a clothesline on Owens twice. And then he does the power slam that he does. And then the draping DDT. And then as he hits the DDT onto Owens, he starts selling his back. Like he re injured his back. And honestly, it's hard to tell. Randy Orton's either doing very good at selling or he's legitimately hurt. Like he was selling the shit out of his back. And obviously he got a back fusion surgery. And I even mentioned before he got advised to retire. So there's a chance that he's actually like hurt. But obviously Randy Orton's fantastic. So he's probably just selling it and making it look good. But there's a lot of people that are like speculating if he's actually hurt. I Obviously, I hope not. I don't want to see Randy Orton have to retire. But yeah, he was selling the hell out of his back. But I think it was a work because there was a part of the finish that kind of played into the back thing, which I'll get to. Um, so then he hits a... Uh, So then they get back in the ring after Orton's selling his back. And then Bobby Lashley hits a neckbreaker on L.A. Knight. And then he hits Drew McIntyre with an inverted DDT. Bobby Lashley hits a running clothesline to Randy Orton in the corner. And then he does the same thing to McIntyre and to L.A. Knight. Randy Orton continues to sell his back. Bobby Lashley hits a spear on L.A. Knight. Drew McIntyre sidesteps Lashley. And he goes shoulder first into the ring post. And then uh, Drew McIntyre throws Lashley into the other ring post, and he goes shoulder first and do it again. L.A. Knight hits a DDT to Drew McIntyre on the floor. And then uh, back in the ring, Randy Orton hits a suplex on L.A. Knight, but he can barely lift him up because he's selling his back. Um, So then Logan Paul enters the ring. As he's entering the ring, Kevin Owens is waiting for him outside the chamber pod, which I thought was funny. And then as he comes in, he starts punching him inside the chamber. And then Owen slams his head into the pod repeatedly. He throws um, Owens or he throws um, Logan Paul into the pod and it breaks some of the glass. And they, they call it Lexan I believe. It's not, it's like I forget what they use it for but they used to use real glass which used to like, I think they used sugar glass but it used to like cut the shit out of people but now they use Lexan I believe it's called. But yeah he broke him into that. Um, and then Kevin Owens slams Uh, Chris Paul's nuts into the... Chris Paul, good lord. Logan Paul into the... His nuts into the chamber pod, which I laughed. Jesus, I just said Chris Paul. Imagine Chris Paul wrestling That's actually kind of funny. Um, And then Kevin Owens throws Logan Paul into the ring and then just immediately clotheslines him back out. All right. Um, Logan Paul gains control and throws Kevin Owens in the chamber. Logan Paul hits some uppercuts. Um... Kevin Owens hits a clothesline under the floor. And then Bobby Lashley throws Kevin Owens through the pod, um, through one of the chamber pods, and then he spears Logan Paul through the other chamber pod, which looked like it hurt. The crowd chanted, thank you, Bobby, and then holy shit. Uh, Bobby gets back in the ring. Drew McIntyre hits a Claymore, or no, wait, before he gets back, he turns around and McIntyre hits a Claymore kick. And then uh, Lashley gets L.A. Knight into the hurt lock and he fights out of it. And then Drew McIntyre in the ring hits a Claymore kick on Bobby Lashley and pins him to eliminate Lashley. And then uh, L.A. Knight hits a back suplex on Randy Orton. And he hits some running knees onto Randy and McIntyre in the corner. McIntyre climbs to the top rope. He runs to this top. Or L.A. Knight runs the top and it's a superplex. And then Randy Orton goes for an RKO on LA Knight. He reverses into a BFT and then he hits a BFT onto McIntyre. And then before he could pin one of them, AJ Styles runs in out of nowhere and attacks LA Knight with a steel chair and then hits a Styles Clash on the chair and McIntyre pins him to eliminate him. I thought that was cool like because they're having this feud on SmackDown basically where AJ Styles is blaming LA Knight for stealing his... You know, when he got injured by the bloodline, he's blaming LA Knight for stealing his title match and his tag team match with John Cena. So they're feuding. And I, I just, it's kind of funny in the sense that AJ Styles flies all the way to freaking Australia just to attack um, LA Knight. I just think that's hilarious. Um, I have, I was checking the time of my recording because I can only record for an hour at a time then I got to make a new one. So I wanted to make sure I wasn't too far. Now I got to find where my notes are. Um, hang on. Let's see. I'm almost there, I think. Yeah, here we go. Um, so, yeah, then as he hits the Styles Clash onto the chair, Drew McIntyre crawls over and pins Mac- L.A. Knight to eliminate him. So now they are down to Logan Paul, Kevin Owens, um, Randy Orton, and Drew McIntyre. So Owens and Paul start fighting. They exchange punches. Kevin Owens hits a backbreaker, and then he gets back in the ring and hits some cannonballs onto McIntyre and Randy. Um, Kevin Owens climbs the top rope, and hits a swanton bomb onto Randy Orton. He goes for a pin. Randy kicks out. Um, Then Owens climbs the top rope and goes for another swanton onto McIntyre, but McIntyre lifts his knees up and blocks it. Um, Drew McIntyre sets up for a claymore on Kevin Owens. Owens reverses it into a pop-up powerbomb. Then he hits a stunner on Logan Paul. He tries a pop-up powerbomb onto Randy Orton. Randy Orton lands on his feet and goes for the RKO. Owens reverses it. Um, Randy Orton or Owens goes for a stunner. Orton reverses it and hits an RKO and then pins Kevin Owens to eliminate him. And then we get a McIntyre and uh Randy Orton face-off. And then Randy is still selling his back injury. They do some yay-boo punches. They boo, obviously, McIntyre and cheer Orton. Um, Randy then hits a power slam and sells the back. And then Randy uh, Logan Paul attacks Orton and climbs to the top rope. Orton crotches Paul and starts punching him, and then Randy goes for a superplex, and then for some reason McIntyre breaks it up, which doesn't really make sense logically. You'd think you would just want him to do the superplex and then take advantage. Um, So Orton then goes for a clothesline on a Drew McIntyre, but McIntyre hits a neckbreaker instead, and then Drew does a kip-up. Logan Paul does a diving um, crossbody off the chamber pod to McIntyre, And then Logan Paul gets out some brass knuckles. And then he takes too long showing off. And then Randy Orton hits an RKO on Logan Paul and pins him to eliminate him. Um, So it's down to Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre. Randy then does a draping DDT to McIntyre. Randy still sells the back. He sets up for the RKO. Drew McIntyre reverses it and hits a spine buster. And then Drew McIntyre goes for the Claymore. And this is what I was talking about earlier, where I think Randy was selling it. So Drew sets up for the corner to go do the Claymore. Then as he gets up to go do the Claymore, Randy collapses, and he's playing possum. And then Randy pretends to, like, start crawling up to Drew. And then Drew grabs him up, and then Orton hits the RKO. So he has the match one. He was just playing possum. And before Orton can pin Logan Paul, he, uh... Or, before he could pin Drew McIntyre, Logan Paul runs in and hits Randy Orton with brass knuckles. And then Drew McIntyre crawls over and pins Orton to win the Elimination Chamber. So, yeah, we're getting Logan Paul. Or Looks like we're going to get a Logan Paul-Randy Orton feud and then Seth Rollins and Drew McIntyre. Which, it's interesting because Randy Orton's kind of beneath the U.S. title. He doesn't need it. Um... But yeah, I think, I mean, like, it doesn't really do any good for Randy Orton to win the U.S. title. But it also feels like they're still feuding Kevin Owens with Logan Paul. So maybe they'll do a triple threat with, like, Randy Orton, Logan Paul, and Kevin Owens at WrestleMania. It's also possible maybe they throw L.A. Knight and AJ Styles in there and do, like, a Fatal Five-Way or something. But uh, that's what it looks like. They're going to do a Randy Orton, Logan Paul feud. And like I said, Randy Orton's kind of... The U.S. title's kind of beneath him. He doesn't need it. He's too big of a star. But I mean, they could probably. I mean, they could if they did give Orton the U.S. title, he could they could use it to elevate, you know, that championship into something else. But or like not into something else, but use it to elevate like somebody else, like a younger guy or something. Orton could lose to them, whatever. But um, overall, a good chamber match. If like I said, predictable. Everyone, I think most people figured Drew McIntyre would win, so they're setting up Drew McIntyre and Seth Rollins for WrestleMania, which. They've already had a few matches. They had won it, I believe, Crown Jewel. It was pretty decent. Four Drew kind of went totally into a heel, and then they had one on Raw, like in the beginning of January. So and then Seth hasn't really wrestled much since then. But um, yeah, so yeah, that's your, looks like your three WrestleMania matches so far, or there's four now. It's Bailey and Eos, Sky, Bianca Belair, or not Bianca Belair, Becky versus either Nia Jax or Rhea Ripley, which we'll get to that match. Randy Orton and Logan Paul, looks like, and then Drew and Seth, and then obviously Cody and Roman. So now we'll get to the main event. I got like nine minutes before my recording ends, so hopefully I can get this done in an hour. If not, I'll start a small new recording. Um, The main event was for the Women's World Championship between Rhea Ripley and Nia Jax. So Rhea Ripley got a huge reaction when she came out by the crowd. She was beloved, because it's her hometown uh, so the match starts with a collar and elbow tie-up. And then Rhea Ripley ducks a clothesline. Um, Rhea does a knee splash. And then she slaps Nia Jax in the chest. Uh, Rhea Ripley hit a flying head scissors. Uh, then a drop kick. Nia Jax blocks the riptide. And then she, uh, dro- she drops Rhea, Rhea Ripley with a leaping body block. And then she does a senton splash. And then uh, she launch Nia, Lina- Jacks, launches Rhea into the corner. Uh, she hits a I believe like an av- like a body avalanche, I believe it's called, um, a running hip attack, and then she does a stink face, which is kind of funny. Um, and then uh, Naya headbutts Rhea Ripley, and then hits a running leg drop like Hulk Hogan used to do. Um, she then kicks Rhea in the back. And then stands on Rhea Ripley's back and Andre the Giant spot. Um, Jack, I Jack stomps on Rhea's head. She applies the stretch muffler to, to, to Rhea Ripley, and then uh, she also does a single leg Boston crab. And then she drops her weight onto Rhea's back, and then she poses for the crowd. They boo. Uh, Rhea Ripley gains back control, does some body shots, and then Nia Jax reverses into a headbutt. Um, Rhea Ripley does a guillotine into a chokehold, which looked kind of cool. Nia Jax tries a sunset flip, and then goes for a seated senton, and Rhea Ripley moves out of the way. And then um, Rhea hit three overhand chops. And then Nia Jax blocked a springboard Hurricane Rana. And then she hits, Nia Jax hits two power bombs. And then um, she goes for a running leg drop and got a two count with a pin and a two count. And then Nia Jax drags Rhea Ripley to the corner. And then Rhea drop kicks the back of Nia Jax's knees. And then she, Rhea Ripley hits a double foot stomp. And then she misses a missile, or no, and then hits a missile drop kick for a two count. I can't read my own notes. Um, She ducks a clothesline and then uh, Nia Jax hits a uh, clothesline and then a Samoan drop and then goes for another running leg drop. Rhea Ripley moves and then hits another drop kick. I'd like to the legs. And then uh, Nia Jax hits a uh, forearm smash as Rhea Ripley's on the top rope. Nia Jax hits an avalanche Samoan drop, which. There's a close near fall, which could have ended the... Like, a lot of people... The crowd popped for that... Well, not pop, but they thought it might have been the end. And then Nia Jax goes to the Annihilator. And then um Rhea Ripley dumps Nia Jax's face onto the turnbuckle. And then Rhea Ripley hits a frog splash for a two count. Nia Jax blocks the Riptide. And then she throws Rhea Ripley over the top rope. Uh, Rhea Ripley dives or drives Nia Jax face first into the ring apron and then Rhea Ripley goes for a powerbomb, but Nia Jax counters it and hits a Samoan drop onto the announce table and then they get back in the ring and uh, Nia Jax hits a flying elbow, or no, she hits a, a Samoan drop onto the announce table and then she does a flying elbow that breaks the announce table. And then they roll back into the ring, Nia Jax delivers the annihilator, Rhea Ripley kicks out at two. Um, and then, uh, Nia Jax tries to reposition Rhea Ripley into the corner and then Rhea Ripley fights back and then Rhea Ripley drags Nia Jax up the ropes, but Nia Jax hits a headbutt and then Rhea Ripley hits a superplex, a roundhouse kick, and then she connects with the riptide to pick up the win. Uh, so the match went 14 minutes and 35 seconds. It wasn't bad. Like it was probably one of Nia Jax's best matches. Um, so yeah, you know, it was decent for what it was. Rear Ripley's gonna obviously face Becky Lynch at WrestleMania, which should be a good match. Rhea Ripley should probably win that match. Um, but yeah, that was my review of Elimination Chamber. I've been talking for like 55 minutes now. So I'll try to get out of here. Thanks for listening. Um, I've already got a WrestleMania 3 review I gotta do. And I'll figure some more stuff out. Between now and WrestleMania, because WrestleMania is like six weeks away, so um, and there's no pay-per-views until then. Um, but yeah, anyway, that was my review of Elimination Chamber overall. Like I said, a good show. Both the Elimination Chamber matches were pretty good. The tag team match was good, and then um even the Nia Jax Ray Ripley match, it was one of Nia Jax's best matches. So yeah, overall good show. I recommend it. Have thanks for listening.